Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome to church. We're so grateful that you chose to hang out with us today. If I had not had a chance to meet you, my name is Brian Cromer, and I'm the lead pastor of Queen City Church. And with me is the beautiful, the amazing, the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Dr. Mike Scruggs. Thank you, sir. uh, Who's the lead pastor of Light of the World Church. And we both have the honor and pleasure of pastoring right here in the city of Cincinnati. And today we are making history. Today we are making history. Two churches combined for one message. And more than anything today, uh, that what we're having today is a much needed conversation about what's happening in our country and in our city. Uh, Have a conversation around racism and division and hate and around uh, racial reconciliation. And in fact, we've entitled today the conversation that we desperately need to have. And so, Pastor Mike, before we jump into this conversation, why do you believe that it is so important for us to have this conversation, for the church, the capital C church, to have this conversation? I think a lot of it is based on the fact that we've got so much wrong <laughs> throughout, the, throughout yeah. the centuries. And I think it's kind of, um, it's interesting, I told our church, you know, several weeks back, that I believe God is resetting the bones as it relates to the church mm-hmm. itself, where yeah. a lot of what's taking place isn't by accident. He's taking this opportunity to kind of allow us to be reconfigured and reset um, because it's been broken. And so now it takes the opportunity for the reset to happen, for the healing to come forth. And so I think as it relates to um, our churches coming together specifically, and then also churches coming together um, throughout the nation, throughout the world, we have been in such a place to quote Dr. King, he says, the most segregated hour in America is at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, mm. where we, we've been, I think the Big C Church has had the idea, the, what I call the ostrich mentality, where we have our head in the sand, yeah. um, we go into worship, lift up holy hands, great singing, great worship, and then go back home, but never think about the fact, all right, we're missing something. <laughs> we're, this doesn't look like heaven. And yeah. if it's supposed to be, you know, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, somewhere along the line, the church should look like heaven. Yes. And I think that's we've right. we've missed that that's step right. in terms of how and what that's supposed to look like because we've gotten comfortable in our own separate spaces, our own silos, and say, hey, you know, it, we can do everything else and try to work on that, but eh, let me do church by ourselves, and we kind of, you know, yeah. we'll leave that alone. So I think this is I think this is monumental in the uh, in the fact that we're now saying, you know what, maybe we've messed this up, and let's try to go back and now as the bones are being reset, yeah. let's make sure that they heal properly. Yeah, that's so good. I know that. Um, you know, when I think about who we're called to follow, mm. we are called to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you read all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Jesus is the ultimate bridge builder. And all week long, I kept thinking about that passage in John chapter 4, you know, where, the, where Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman at the well. And that's one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture when it comes to seeing Jesus being that ultimate bridge builder. Because uh, like I, I wrote down, I was thinking about this, this, this conversation that he had with this woman would have been so controversial <laughs> because he was one talking to a woman 
and building bridges across gender lines too. He was talking to a Samaritan which is building bridges across racial lines. As a Jew, people didn't talk to Samaritans there. And then he was also talking to a known sinner. Mm -hmm. And so he was building a bridge across spiritual lines. And I was just reminded, we are called, you, everybody in here, we are called to follow that Jesus. We are called to follow that Jesus. And if you read that passage, you see in verse 4, I saw something that I don't know if I've ever seen it like I did this week when I was reading it. Because in verse 4, it says, now he had to go through Samaria. It said he had to go through Samaria. He didn't have to go around Samaria. He didn't have to avoid Samaria. He had to go through it. And I think that we're in this pivotal moment right now where we have to go through a Samaria. We have to go through a place that maybe we haven't been before, that we haven't had conversations around right now. We have to go through Samaria. And uh, there's a lot happening in our world right now. But we do know that, like what's happening, that this is not new. Absolutely. It's not new. The fact that um, that racism exists, that it has existed, that it exists right now, that injustice exists, that equality, uh, inequality exists, that hate exists. And I just, I think it's important for us to put a line in the sand and say it is wrong. It is sin, it is evil, and it does not reflect the heart of God. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that. And, um, you know, because this is not new. This, there's new news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is not new. And w- Will Smith, he even, uh, he even said on social media last week, he said, racism is not getting worse. It is getting filmed. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Pastor Mike, you know, the last few weeks, there's been some things that we have all seen um, that are heartbreaking. We've seen some things that are tragic. And so... For you, when you have seen these videos and heard these news and the tragic murders of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and so many others, when you've seen them, what do you think? What are you thinking? Mm. What are you feeling? Like, what's in your heart? What's in your mind? Like, help me understand that. Yeah, I think it's um, a couple of different things where on one end, I think most black people would suffer from some some form of PTSD, uh, where we see this on a reoccurring basis. It's called, almost like hearing gunshots, you know, outside your bedroom window, um, while many people try to, you know, utilize that phrasing for just those in the military and, you know, those that have gone to war overseas. Some of us are living on war fields day by day, um, whether it's walking to corporate offices or trying to catch a bus or trying to just simply, um, you know, walk down the street because apparently we can't jog, we can't walk, we can't run, uh, we, can't, we can't sleep in our own beds without, you know, something taking place. And it's, it's crazy to the fact where even if you list all the names of individuals who, not even just police brutality, but you talk lynchings and um, just all types of things that have taken place, you try to put them on a shirt. We, didn't ha- we don't have enough room to yeah. add all these different names. And so it's, it's an exhausting place where it's like, oh man, we're here again. Um, and much of our conversations that we've been having even up to this point are, all right, what's, what's there, what are the next steps? We don't want to just, you know, have another march and just, you know, burn down another building uh, because in another three months or six months, we'll be back visiting this again, unfortunately, based off of these patterns. And so we're at this place where um, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of frustration. And so when we see the rioting take place, we see the things that are happening in our city. 
it's I understand it. Yeah. Not, not that I'm down, you know, knocking down buildings or throwing rocks, right. but I, at the same time, I completely understand, you know, the mindset on why it is happening. And I think that's where the the misnomer or the miscommunication is, where people can look at it and say, "Oh man, why are they down here tearing up this building, or why are they setting these fires, or even why are these people looting?" While it may not necessarily be quote unquote right, I understand the underlying the underlying. Um, issues and thoughts behind it. There's a, there's a wonderful program we've taken our church through it. Um, Peter Scazzaro has something called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah. And it just kind of talks about, you know, it's trying to idea of your spirituality and your emotional health um, should both be increasing. And so he, he has this image of an iceberg where it says, okay, above the iceberg is what everybody sees. Yeah. Below the iceberg is really what's happening in your world. And so the same thing that's taking place now as it relates to the, you know, the, the quote unquote black community is above the iceberg is what you see with the looting and the, the rioting and the protests. Below the iceberg is the oppression, is mm. the, you know, slavery, is, um, you know, lack of jobs, is hunger, is, you know, lack of education, is the building up of everything that, yeah. that you see. So when you see the outlet happening on the news and the things that they, the, the 15, 30 second clips that they try to show, all that's just simply in an outlet of what's going on below the surface. And so if they take the time to actually examine and dissect and talk about what's going on below the surface, there'd be a better understanding of what's yeah. happening above the surface. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Um, one thing that I've been thinking about, you know, we, we literally met, I don't know how long. Yeah. I don't even know. It was a month and a half. A month and a half ago. Like we met during a quarantine. That (laughs) is God. Like that is God that we met. Uh, We were actually on uh, a a zoom call with, Mm -hmm. with a few other pastors Mm -hmm. talking on the news. Shout out Ashley Kirkland. Absolutely. If you're watching right now, what's up girl. Uh, And uh, just talking about what our churches were doing for Mm -hmm. Easter. And I just remember, I was like, that's a guy I want to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was a God-appointed relationship. And, you know, when some of these things started happening and, and started being public, I just, I felt so on my heart just to reach out and just, and I can tell you what was heavy on my heart um, was the fact that I've learned that you have two kids. Yeah. You have a boy and a girl. And we have two kids. Heather and I have two kids. And we have two boys, and that they're growing up in two different worlds, and that broke my heart. And um, and I just you know and 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 I just I wanted to acknowledge that, and I wanted to say like, hey, what like what is it's just not right, it's just not right. And you know, talking about this not being new, this is not new for our city. Yeah, that when you think about Cincinnati, and you know, I'm not from here. Uh, we moved here because God put a dream in our heart to plant a life-giving church right here in Cincinnati. And so we've been here since January of 2018. Uh, But one of the things that drew us here is when we studied the city, we found that it was the fifth most segregated city statistically Mm -hmm. in the United States. And there's 52 neighborhoods that make up our amazing city. And for some, it should just be walls that are up around those 52 little neighborhoods. But you grew up here, right? Absolutely. Born and raised Cincinnati since my mama had me. Come on, five, one, three. <laughs> That's awesome. So growing up right here in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. not just growing up as a black man in America, but mm-hmm. growing up as a black man in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. like how has racism directly affected and impacted your life living right here in the city that we all call home? 
Yeah, Cincinnati is a strange place um, in general. Like I said, I'm born and raised here. And so there's certain rules that you kind of, I guess, spoken and unspoken that you kind of abide by, you know, growing up in the city. Of course, on one end, um, our city is siloed. So every yeah. neighborhood is its own gang. Yep. Shout out to East Side. Shout out to, now I <laughs> live on the West Side. I'm a West Side rider now. And so, the, um, and so every neighborhood has its own little, you know, its own population, its own little world. They don't kind of, they, you don't really leave, you know, too far out of what you grew up in. However, at the same time, um, you know, like certain neighborhoods as a black person, you don't go to. Like, yeah. It's a little bit better now. Now in certain places as, as, as opposed to other places. So for for instance, um, growing up, Norwood was an area that you would drive through as quickly as possible. You mm-hmm. didn't really stop in Norwood for anything. Um, shout out to all my Norwood people. <laughs> the, yeah. um, it's just one of those things. Like you know, it was because that that idea and that mindset. Um, you know. It was, the Norwood mentality is like, hey, like you aren't welcome here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so growing up in Silverton for myself. I went to Walnut Hills High School. So we, you know, had to travel sometimes coming down Montgomery Road. It goes yeah. straight through Norwood. So he's like, all right, let's make this quick trip. <laughs> you know, don't stop, don't pass go, don't collect $200. Yeah. Uh, because you never know really what's, what's you know. Like that's what, not where you stop to get gas. Not at all. You just, because yeah. you don't know what's popping, what's, going, what's waiting. Um, I think Elmwood is another place where, you know, people are like, eh, I don't really know if I'm going to mm. drive through here because even, even as current as the past couple of years, I think they had, they just now were taking down the, the traffic lights and, you know, um, people getting stopped. And if you kind of polled it and try to see how many people were stopped based on color, um, you, you would probably be surprised that most of them were probably people of color mm-hmm. versus not. Um, just for just minor traffic stuff and not even probably just, you know, just the fact that you're driving through there. Yeah. We really didn't venture too far to, you know, going to the east side. So to this day, I really don't know too much about Batavia or Amelia mm-hmm. or Milford uh, because we didn't go out there. It's kind of like, all right, well, yeah. you know, if you're going out there and let somebody know where you're headed so they can find you if you don't show up where you're supposed to go in a certain amount of time because it's just one of those things like we just it wasn't one of those it wasn't welcoming for us to show up in those places so it's it's just that idea like right we kind of knew what we you know where we were supposed to go and you know how we were able to venture and once again it's it's not right but that's life and it's you know for these 41 years that's been my life even going to the west side moving over to west side my my, myself and my wife we joked about it we're like all right um, this is okay. Talking about black people watching, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we tend to, you know, gauge our the the scene to see how many black people are in the area, just in case anything pops off. We need to know who's gonna have our back. <laughs> so we're like, all right, we don't know how many black, how many black people are gonna live on our street because uh, we just knew with the car right, we're gonna be the only ones over here. And so we like kind of gauging, like, all right, all right, well, it's more than we thought. And so it's like, all right, now it's kind of it brings it brings the tension mm-hmm. down a little bit because you kind of you is that sense of safety. Yeah. And so, but once that's that's that underlining mentality that you work with when you've been exposed to so much over such a long period of time. Once again, this is yeah. 41 years being here. Yeah. And so I've kind of seen Cincinnati grow and then at the same time I've seen where some things still remain the same. Yeah. Um, as much as time elapses, like, yep, this, is still, this hasn't changed. Yeah. And so to coin... Um, Cornell West's phrase, race matters. So as much yeah. as they try to say it doesn't, it right. absolutely does. Right. So is there, is there any moment, like a, a story, when, when you think about what's it like to be a black man, a black woman that is living, growing up in Cincinnati? Is there one story, one moment uh, in the 41 years mm-hmm. that, of your experience 
that really stands out? Mm, that's tough because I think <laughs> I think you could probably pretty much write a novel on it. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a number of things. So it's, uh, so I kind of go backwards and then I go forward, or I go forward and go backwards. Sorry. And so I remember uh, just think about a year or so ago, uh, my wife's truck had stopped on the highway, um, 275 up towards uh, Mount Healthy area, and so she wasn't sure exactly what the issue was. I come to you know trying to figure it out, and so I'm like, all right, I'm because I'm thinking she ran out of gas again. <laughs> and so, um, so, <laughs> um, and so I'm like, all right, let me, let me figure, figure out what's going here. on. Went to go get some gas. All right, that didn't work. All right, so actually, there's something actually wrong with the truck. And so the, um, and so I can't remember what I can't remember if I sent her home or maybe she was still in the truck. Nevertheless, um, while I'm trying to figure some stuff out, a, a sheriff, um, you know, pulls up to kind of see what's happening. So in my mind, like, I'm like, all right, let me make sure everything, I, you know. Don't have anything illegal on me. I'm good, you know. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, let me make sure that hmm. I don't make no sudden moves. I don't do nothing too crazy because, once again, because of past history and what continues to be seen, I gotta keep. I gotta be on my p's and q's. Hmm. And so, fortunately for it, you know, for that even that sheriff at that moment, it was no issue. He can't just see if I need any help, any assistance, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still that idea that continues to resonate in your mind. So now to go backwards, um, I am a product of Wanna Hills High School. See how I kind of played that into the neighborhood. Yep. So the, um, I'm product of Wanna Hills High School, the best high school in all of America. And so <laughs> the uh, coming in seventh grade, eighth grade, uh, eighth grade year, I was in honors classes, eighth and ninth grade year. And so it was interesting. I was the only black male in honors. And so come Black History Month, they kind of like asking you the questions. And so I'm kind of looking around like, all right. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm like I, I'm the only representation in, in in the class, and so I remember talking to my parents and saying, "All right, uh, I wanted to go to a different school because my friends were going to Withrow's and they were going to you know the Woodward's yeah. and the U's, etc." I'm like, "I want to go where my friends are. I want to be you know you know hang out with my, my my people to have some fun." And I remember my parents literally telling me um, that they you know they sacrificed so that I could be at Walnut Hills. Mm. Um, both of my parents are from Alabama, from the South, like the bottom, mm. so they're from Jackson to Mobile, and so they start, they explain how they had hand-me-down books and got second-rate education and went through all of that that they went through, not so I could have fun and be cool to hang with my friends, but so I could have the best opportunities in the best places possible. And so thus, um, they just pretty much, my mom put me in check. Like, you ain't going nowhere yeah. <laughs> because I paid too much price for you mm -hmm. uh, to be in this position, regardless of how you feel or what's going, in, going on in your world. Um, you go out here and do what you have to do. Uh, but equating that at the same time, with that being said, because you put you you get put in those environments, you also have the mindset to have to do now twice as twice as good mm. as everybody else. Mm. Because now I kind of represent everybody. So if I slack off in class, well, it goes all the black people that are lazy and don't do mm. don't do their work and don't you know aren't able to excel. So I kind of represent and take on that toll and the weight of yeah. all your people when you're trying to make some stuff happen. So you're not allowed to miss class. You're not allowed to skip. You're not allowed to slack off. Um, you have to be the representation because you have so many other people who are kind of watching and paying attention, uh, both good and bad, to what yeah. your next steps are going to be. Yeah, man. So what was the quote that, that the, it, from, your last, from your last statement, before I asked that last question, you said that there was a, a quote that said that race matters. Oh, yeah, from that, Dr. Right? Cornel West. Yeah, the, yeah. That race matters. Mm -hmm. So that kind of that makes me, like, brings this question to me, you know, like, that what would you say, because I've heard a lot of people say, and mostly white people, mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people say that racism isn't an issue to me. I, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. like, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. Uh, so what is your response to that? Like, like, how do you feel? Like, what do you think 
when you hear that. Yeah, and I think to borrow the analogy um, that I've seen from the, uh, from the video, we talked about the right-hand advantage, yes. where people who are right-handed don't think about left-handed issues because they're right-handed and the world was based off, is built off of you know, right-handed people. Yeah. And so even watch this, um, everybody who's watching right now, um, if you're left-handed, go ahead and you know, wave your hand at me real quick. Uh, and then watch how this works because um, the left-handed people who are even waving their hands, the emoji is a right-handed emoji. <laughs> that is true. And so the, the idea that is, is we are living in a right-handed world. We're adjusting to it. And mm. so, you know, most left-handed people, they know the feeling of having to sit at a right-handed desk and, you know, mm. and having to turn their, you know, their body yeah. uh, because I'm left-handed. And so you're trying to adjust to being in that position. Um, you, you know, everything is kind of built off of that right-hand perspective. But if you're right-handed, you don't care about that because yeah. you don't see left-handed people because all you know is what my world looks like. And so it's the same thing that, uh, that applies to, to as, a, as a relates to, to race. We're living in a white-handed world where it's kind of everything is built based off of um, white people. And so it, it's expected for everybody to adjust to that. So you don't necessarily think yeah. on what everybody or anybody else's struggle may be like. And so I think that's where that, that phrase white privilege kind of comes into place. Yeah. Because, hey, um, because you are white, this is what has always been at your advantage, but you never paid attention to it because it's always been at your advantage. Yeah. Um, it's likened to the fact where I tell my kids all the time, this is not your house. Um, you simply are, you know, I'm allowing you to, to take up space here. Yes. Um, you are not allowed to Amen. lock your doors because those are my doors. Yep. Um, I'm allowing you to sleep in that bed. That is my bed. <laughs> so yeah. you are just here for my pleasure at this moment and to take out trash and to wash dishes. Yeah. And so... It, it, but at the same time, they, they wake up every day and eat up all food and, and, you know, and, and you know, do whatever they want to do and yeah. play Fortnite and enjoy life. And because they, they don't, my kids don't know what struggle looks like yeah. and because they, they are taking advantage of the advantages. And so I think conversely, when we talk about, once again, we talk about the race thing, it's easy to not see race when you don't have any disadvantages to have to be based off of. Wow. And it's, it's wow, like, okay, good. this is what I do every day. That's good. And so... If I took my kids right now and put them in a in a poverty setting, hmm. they would know what what that looked like. They don't know how to make like make something happen. And you know they know how to depend on mom and daddy and yeah. how to just simply you know get what they want. They don't know how to just provide for themselves and yeah. to, to like if they had to get some food, where would that come from? If they had to yeah. make something you know to you know to simply exist, they don't know what that look. They don't know the struggle um, that a number of us have kind of gone through because, like I said, they've been they've been based in privilege their entire life. Yeah. And so it's simply that idea that um, you can't say that, that you don't see race or that you don't see color mm. is because you've been based in privilege your entire life. Yeah. So to say that you can't see it, you must be blind because yes. it's, it's everywhere. It's happening all around you. And I think that's where this current... Um, uh, what one of my brothers, shout out to my, my God, Terran, he talked about it being a stew right now where it's mm. been simmering for a minute. And so now, now that everybody's been in the house, they had no other choice but to see it because yes. they couldn't go nowhere else. So it's popping up on everybody's timeline. And because you were banned to be in the house, you're like, all right, now you have no way to escape it and to ignore it or to go once again to have the ostrich head in the sand and say, hey, I don't know what's going on in the world, but let's go in and have great worship. Let's go in and lift yes. up holy hands and yes. let's kind of ignore everything that's, else that's happening. You know, we, we put the world on tenant windows where it's like, okay, yes. I'm just going to continue to exist and do what I'm doing in here. I'm not going to worry about yes. what's happening out there. Yeah, and, that, and that's why we... You know, while we decided together, it's like like we have to do something. Absolutely, like we just can't Absolutely. keep going with our sermon series, and we can't just keep just 
playing like normal as ever, and it's just kind of like these blinders on that we're not seeing what's happening in the world. It's like, no, we got to talk about it, and uh, because it is on the forefront of so many people's minds. And I've just been thinking about the fact that right now, it is not enough to just not be racist. Mm-hmm. Like the, it's not enough right now to just not be racist. It's we have to be anti-racist. And I, let me add two points real quick. Number yes. one, thanking you for for even because I call this consider this courage because to be able to stand out and say, hey, let me partner up uh, with, with with Pastor Mike or any you know any other pastor and say, hey, let's have this conversation. Let's take this stance and say, hey, this is this is blatantly wrong. Yes. Uh, because truth be told, there's a number of black people who are sitting back watching. Because like I said, we've, we've endured this time and time again. So we're watching to see who is silent and who's not silent, hmm. who's speaking up and who is not speaking up. Um, Dr. King called it the white moderate, where it speaks to the hmm. idea of, okay, we know those that are the, quote unquote, I guess the, the Ku Klux Klan mentality. Yeah. That's, it's outright racism, yep. white supremacy. We can see it. But at the same time, the greater issue lies on those who lie back in the cut where they are not really speaking to anything. And so where it's more so I can understand it because my enemy does it, but when it's my friend that's being silent, that hurts just as much. Mm. Um, those who've wow. ever, ever been in a fight, never been jumped before, it's one thing to get jumped. It's another thing for the person that's just with right you. Just right now in the chat, just yeah. saying, hey, <laughs> I've been jumped. I can relate to that. But. It's another thing to get jumped and your partner runs. Because if we're going to get wow. jumped, we're going down together. Yes. And we're going we to yes, take sir. these lumps together. But if you take off and run, oh, no, it's, it's odd. Like I, yeah. Next time I see hashtag on site. Next yeah. time I see you, because, because when I was at my lowest, you took off on me. Yeah. And so that's, that, wow. that's what we're paying attention to more wow. than it is the outright you know, you know, stuff that's taking place. Because what's crazy, um, people just say that they'll you know, kind of revisit that idea of people who don't believe in racism or don't see you know, things mm. happening. Go to a chat room in any news story. Yes. Go to any you know any publication. Just check the comment section to see what people are talking about. People talk greasy yeah. um, no <laughs> when, when they can't be seen. Yeah. And so yeah. <laughs> you pay attention That's to Twitter. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. With trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Yeah. And so <laughs> you you see all of that stuff going on on a regular basis. And like I said, that is that is just, it is what it is. Yeah. And so it just can't it can't be avoided. Yeah, I wrote down in my journal today that being silent is being complicit. Absolutely. And that we can't be neutral right now. Um, So what would you say to people who say like today, like that's not me. Like I'm here, I want to do something. I just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I want to say something. I just don't know what to say. Uh, Like I want to make a difference. I want to help, but I don't know where to start. So like... Like, what, what can we do? Um, what can we do from this conversation, which we've said that this conversation is just a start. Like Absolutely. One of our goals yeah. was just yeah. to model mm-hmm. what conversation can look like, what we want our churches to go and have conversations like this. And so that we're not here trying to solve everything. We're just here trying to have a start of a conversation. And, you know, like, so what would you say to people? It's like, I want to do something, 
I just don't know what to do. What can we do? Uh, how do we keep this from just being a one-week message in our yeah. churches? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like I put it this way to our church is like we always want our Sundays to affect our Mondays. Mm-hmm. So like how how can we take this conversation that's happening on a Sunday? How can we let it affect our Mondays? How like James chapter one mm-hmm. that we cannot just be hearers but of doers. God's word, mm-hmm. but how can we be doers of God's mm-hmm. word? Like like what would you say to that? How would you answer that? I think that. It's loaded on one end, but I think part of it is um, what we're called to do as Christians. And I think number one is build relationships. Um, I think we have missed, once again, we talk about missing that step. I think we miss that idea. We're talking about um, loving God above everything and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Mm. I think we've missed that relationship building opportunity across the board. It sounds good um, when everybody that looks like you, um, you can build relationships with them. But how are you not building relationships with people who don't look like you? God didn't separate that. Mm. He said, build, he said, love everything. Love me, number one, and then love of other people as you do yep. yourself. And yep. so the great commission is uh, abso- for every single person on planet ab- earth. Absolutely. And you so you got a pulse that means you. And so I think number one is building relationships. And so I think it's building relationships across fences and building relationships across those those boundaries um, and uh, across com- comfort zones um, that we ordinarily don't. And I think it's kind of intentionally doing it. So now, now let me put a a pause right there that doesn't mean go out and try to find you know a black friend to adopt this week it's (laughs) it's 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 the idea of hey we've been gonna force this thing you know you see somebody in the grocery store like hey they're black let me see if i can see if that's gonna work (laughs) um, i think it's more so the idea of hey we've been working together for five years and i don't really know you hey we've been living right next to each other and i don't really know you let's now let's start figuring out how can we start you know building this up a little bit, um, not forcing it, but just trying to allow it to kind of grow naturally. You find, you'll figure out there's some commonalities there. You figure out, hey, we like the same stuff. Hey, we both think in the same mindset regarding this. Okay, cool. Our kids love each other because what's crazy, myself and my wife, we were just talking about this, is that um, hate is taught. It's not naturally, yes. you know, ingested. Yes. Where my kids, I don't even know if my kids know they're black because they just mm. kind of, they're just living life right now. They're just, mm. this is balling. And so they have friends that look like everything. So it looks yeah. like United Colors of Benetton when they <laughs> kind of go to school and they're just enjoying one another. <laughs> so it doesn't happen until we get older that we start and just yeah. get that mindset between yeah. media and, and parents yes. and music, et cetera, that say, like, hey, you're not supposed to like this person because of this reason. And you're like, oh, I never knew that because they always been cool to me. We've always been friends. We never had this yeah. issue. And so all that's being taught. So when you start kind of reversing it and saying, hey, let's naturally and organically start building these relationships and getting together with one another, it'll slowly start, um, you know, bringing this tension and these thoughts down. Not necessarily just coming straight out the gate and, hey, hey what do you think about racism today? Yeah. And, uh, did yes. you vote for Trump? Yes. It's kind of... Just, <laughs> just get in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, do you like barbecue? Like, yeah. hey, let's kind of... Let's just kind of start there. How about the Bengals this yeah. year? Yeah, you know? yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's got to start somewhere on some yeah. neutral ground and have those conversations. I That's think good. you start intentionally building those things. And then also, I think it's um, looking and searching out ways how to... Um, not assimilate, but to, I think you brought up a great phrase, but to uh, build bridges. Because I think the idea of, well, I'll say it with my opinion, what I've seen is typically um, coming from the 
the white culture, it is, well, we're going to let everybody just come over to us yes. and it is allow them to assimilate to what we do um, versus, hey, let's now build some commonalities together and let's, you know, I'll bring what I bring and you bring what you bring and then we'll just work it. And then we'll just do what we do. Shout out to my guy, Chris Beard. We, we, we had oh, a yeah. conversation about Chris is doing some amazing, amazing. work to try to um, build some bridges here in Cincinnati. Um, and so I think it's, it just has to happen across the board because Chris is only one church. You're only one yep. church. I'm only one church. Yep. And I, on top of the hundreds of you know yep. gazillion churches that are in our city yep. packed in certain places let's start figuring out how can we now um build these bridges a little bit better yeah. um if nothing else from a faith standpoint because watch this if we do it in the church the world will take notice Come and start on. modeling that's it. right we have that's to be right. the ones to lead the pack right. not opposed to not as opposed to sitting back and and watching it happen and figuring out how to catch up we yeah. have to if we don't lead the pack and lead the discussions like we're doing yes. now um then we'll we're all we'll be behind yes. the eight ball yes and i think in a lot of regards we're already behind the eight ball yes. because while the rest of the world is coming together in some regard, the church is not, yes. unfortunately. And so we have to grateful unto you and, to, and for what God is doing through you to even start off this conversation and say, hey, let's start figuring out how can we bring this together so that I can emulate and show the world what this needs to look like. Yes. Because, the, because our city's hurting, um, our, our neighbors are hurting, not just our nation, like literally up and down the block. <laughs> so if, if I can get the churches to emulate what I want in what's yes. happening in heaven, then the rest of the world would take notice and say, hey, you know what? Let me, let me kind of see what they're talking yeah. about. Let me come be a part of that because I, I like this. Yes. I, I like how this is functioning. I like how this yes. is happening. Um, and I think that'll start to slowly start changing and churning that wheel and then building that momentum and, and take it to things and, um, things beyond our wildest imagination. Yeah. And that's why, like we say, that the local church is the hope of the world. Absolutely. It really is. And that, like, change in this area is not going to come from legislation. There's not going to be a bill that's going to be passed. It's going to, you know, like, there, it's because it's so much is heart. So much is heart. And so um, I, I was thinking, here's one of the most practical, powerful like questions that I think people can ask, talking about the mm. next step. What can I do? I think here's one of the most powerful, one of the most practical questions that you can ask is what's it like to be you? Mm. And just ask that question. What's it like to be you? Because, you know, there's this phrase, it's like, uh, why don't you walk a mile yeah. in my mm -hmm. shoes? Here's the thing, I can't. Mm -hmm. I had that realization this week. I can't walk a mile in your shoes. I just can't. Yeah. And the only way I can know is if I ask you, what's it like to walk a mile in your shoes? Because I want to know. I want to understand. What's it like to be you? And I think that's a powerful, practical way. And let me give just a couple more practical ways um, that kind of some tangible next steps for everybody is that um, on our church website, we are actually, uh, we're launching today a, a page on our website, queencitypeople.com slash be the change. And this, this website is going to have a lot of resources. Um, so if you want to learn more, if you want to learn more on, on this topic, how to have this conversation, there'll be resources on there, messages on there, uh, articles, books to read, just different things, whatever resource that we can find, uh, we're going to be able to put on there. So I encourage you to take some time this week to go check that out. And then also, uh, this Thursday, June 11th, uh, we've talked, Pastor Mike, and we decided that we're asking our churches 
for a day of prayer and fasting mm-hmm. uh, for us to, uh, you know, have a next step together as a church to have a day of prayer and fasting for racial reconciliation in our city and in our country. And so that's a tangible step. I want to invite you to help us in this because I cannot think of a more important time for the church to pray. Um, In fact, that's how I'd love to end just our conversation is to pray. And um, as I was thinking about this moment, here was a verse that I just kept thinking about over the last couple weeks that when everything has started to happen and oh by the way there is this thing called coronavirus it's still yeah, yeah, like absolutely. that's why we're doing yeah. this like this and mm-hmm. not and so uh so that's still happening mm-hmm. but here's this verse that god has put on my heart and i think it's really powerful second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 they're going to put on the screen that it says if my people who are called by my name which we are everybody here our churches my people who are called by my name, this is God talking, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which is, which it really, it, that is the picture of repentance. And a lot of times that word gets a bad rap. It's like repentance, it's a bad thing. It's not, it's one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. It means that we change our minds and we change our directions, that we repent, that we turn from their wicked ways. And then here's God's part. He says, then mm-hmm. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And um, so I've been thinking about this and I even mentioned this to you uh, because this is not something that I would do for shows. It's not something that I would do um, disingenuous. This is something that I would only do, I feel like this is what God has called us to do. And I think when I read that scripture and I see if my people will humble themselves and pray. And I started thinking about just the act of getting on your knees. Which for many people has mean a lot of different things over the last few weeks. But if you go back biblically, that is the ultimate sign of humility. That's the ultimate sign of surrender. And so I'm going to ask, and I ask permission if we could do this, but I'm going to ask even the people that are joining us, and I'm going to ask you at home as we pray together. I believe God wants to do something special. I'm going to ask if you would, if you feel comfortable, if you're physically able to get on your knees as just an act and a symbol of surrender. And we're going to pray together. And I'm going to pray first. So I'm going to ask you to, to I'll throw the alley. You just, <laughs> you just crush it down. But let's pray together. God, we love you. We worship you. We thank you. And God, we, we look to that scripture as people that are your people that are called by your name. And God, right now we come on our knees humbly. And God, we humble ourselves. We don't ask you to humble us. We're humbling ourselves. And God, we seek your face. We seek your face. We seek your presence. We seek you in our lives. And God, we, we want to know you. We seek you. We love you. And God, today we turn. We turn 
God, would you examine our hearts? Would you examine our minds and our thoughts? Everything that's in there. And if there's anything that doesn't line up to you, if there's anything that doesn't line up to your word, God, we repent and we turn. God, we turn. God, we repent from racism. We repent from hate. We repent from division. We repent from segregation. God, we repent from injustice and equality. God, we turn from judging people just by how they look without knowing them. God, we change our minds. We change our direction. God, we repent for our silence. We repent for any apathy that we may have. God, we repent for any indifference. And God, we ask in Jesus' name, would you hear us from heaven and would you forgive our sins? And would you heal our land? Would you heal our hearts? Would you heal our city? Would you heal our nation? God, we ask that you heal. And God, I ask that you give us all wisdom to know what's right. God, I pray that you give us crystal clear clarity from heaven to know exactly what to do. God, I pray that right now, every single person that's watching or going to watch, God, would you give us a clear next step? I pray you give us wisdom to know what's right, but God, I also pray that you give us courage to do what's right. Would you give us tremendous courage to maybe have conversations or to take a stand or to listen? God, whatever the thing that you're asking us to do, God, would you give us the courage to do it? And God, I pray not just for outside change. I just don't pray that, that you change the outside behavior or anything like that. But God, I pray that there's an inside out change. God, that revival is happening on the inside out as a result of what is happening. And God, I pray that you redeem it. I pray that you use it. And God, I pray that you bring inside out, real, lasting, forever change. God, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Cincinnati in America, in our churches, in our homes, in our lives, as it is in heaven. Uh, let us to have churches and cities that look like heaven. God, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Father God, we thank you simply because of who you are. God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for yes. your majesty, for yes. your power. God, we thank you for loving us. God, we thank you for knowing everything about yes. us and not, and not changing your mind yes. about us. Yes. God, we thank you simply for this moment, God, as you continue to uh, heal your land. God, as you are resetting bones, God, and allowing healing to take place. God, you are Jehovah Rapha. God, you have um, the ability, God, for there to be a balm in Gilead. Today, God, we're thanking you in advance, God, for what you are establishing and putting in place. Allow this small start, God, become a great um, momentum, God, to where we're, where we're headed and to where we're going. God, I thank you for the not only the big C church, God, we thank you for the local churches, um, God, who are now even watching and being up and joining and being a part of this. Allow this momentum, God, to flow beyond just our churches. God, allow your favor to be upon Queen City. Allow your favor to be upon Light of the World. But God, allow it to expand, God, beyond just our four walls. Allow it to navigate, God, from neighborhood to neighborhood, God, from, um, from, from suburb to suburb. God, we thank you for what you are putting in place. And God, allowing your church to lead the way. 
God, you said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So God, I believe that it is your will for your church to lead God, to direct and set up the conversations that need to be had. And not only the conversations, God, but the actions that are to follow. Continue to grant us wisdom, God, uh, that we only do what you want us to do, that your will becomes accomplished, God, through our next steps, God. May it not just be um, talk, God, but may it be action. May our love become a verb, um, Lord, that we may be able to show the world, God, how it's supposed to be done. God, I thank you for where you're allowing us to go, what you're the doors that you're opening up. God, we're praying right now, God, our Ephesians 3 moment, God, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly, God, immeasurably more above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Today, God, my prayer is that you fill us again. Holy Spirit, fill us again with the power, God. Refill us, refuel us, um, that we are empowered to go out into a dying world and let them know about a living Savior um, that is able to set the captives free. God, we thank you for this moment, God. Allow this God to be the fire that needs to start um, to allow us to set ablaze, God, the world, God, what you're leading us into. We thank you, Lord, simply because of who you are, for what you've done. But God, we thank you for what you're getting ready to do. God, we thank you, God, for what is to come. God, the eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of men, God, which you have prepared for your people. So God, we thank you, Lord, for in advance, for blowing our minds, um, for exceeding our expectations, for doing something beyond our wildest imaginations. God, we continue to give you glory and honor. We lift you up and magnify your name, God, because you you alone are worthy. God, no one else can do this. We're not depending on our government. Uh, We're not depending on policies. God, we're depending on you. And Lord, in the work that you're doing through us, God, today, Lord, we simply invite you to interfere in our affairs. Have your way, God, in what's taking place. God, you are bigger than white supremacy. You are bigger than racism. Um, You are bigger than fear. You are bigger than doubt. Um, God, you are bigger than corona. And so, God, today, we thank you, um, God, for you being God and God alone. Lord, have your way, God. Have your way simply, Lord, as we stand in obedience to your will and to your plan. We ask all these things, your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, and everybody said... Amen. 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 Awesome, man. I'm a hot mess now. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. Um, I just, I want to thank you. I want to honor you. Thank oh, you for thank you. Thank you. Thank this you. conversation. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for what you're doing in this city. Thank you for your voice. I honor you. No, thank you. And I'm so sir. grateful for you. you. Thank you. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you. Thank you. And thank you for hanging out with us for this conversation. And this is just a start. It's in the solution, but it is a start. And so I just want to encourage you as we end, go take your next step mm-hmm. to respond to what God is speaking to you right now. So if you would, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And just like we do every week, why don't you take just a moment to ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying directly to me? Maybe ask him, God, what does my response need to be to this message? Because this is one of those days that I really think should affect our tomorrow. And so ask him, God, what are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this, what's my next step? And ask him that. And maybe you're here and you are far from God. Maybe right now you don't have a relationship with God and you feel like he's a million miles away. And we want to give you the opportunity before we ended Church at Home today to make what we consider the most important, the best decision of your life, the decision to follow Jesus, the decision to say yes to him, to say yes to grace. And so if you're here today and that's you, 
Maybe you need to start a relationship. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you have in the past and you've went off and you've done your own thing. And maybe today you need to restart your relationship with him. If that's you, either one of those, and you know that that's your decision today, won't you pray something like this just in your heart and say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent. I changed my mind. I changed my direction. Will you come live inside me? Will you change me? And will you make me brand new? I surrender my entire life to you. I give you my life. And today I choose to follow you, not just for today, but for the rest of my life. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 